0: to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Stephen Aguiar, the founder of Good Goes Further. Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Steve.
0: Uh, I am intrigued to speak with you today a little bit more about the Google Ads products and how that can help with bringing some resources in to support charitable work. But before we dive into the specifics of that, can you just tell folks a little bit more about yourself and about Good Goes Further? What's the type of work you do there?
1: Sure. Well, I've been in digital marketing for the past 10 years. I started my career in the media and publishing space, sort of as a one-man social media and audience development team for a few different independent and venture-backed publishers. Uh, Four years ago, I started a digital marketing agency slash consultancy called Blue Wing. I've worked with about 30 or 40 companies across different verticals on their digital marketing campaigns with a focus on growth marketing or sort of lead generation acquisition, creating a positive ROI out of digital um I've worked with about a dozen nonprofits over the course of that four-year journey and going into covid and then you know the, sort of the tail end of that into george floyd really was looking for opportunities to use more of my digital marketing powers for good um i think you know looking around the landscape there's a lot of nonprofits you know doing really really well that were sort of pivoting and looking at the covid crisis and uh issues of racial injustice in really powerful ways raising a lot of money um getting a lot of generating, a lot of awareness, um, sort of off to the races. And at the same time, there's a lot of nonprofits out there, like a lot of other businesses are really struggling right now um, because of high unemployment. They're losing recurring donors because the stock market is a little crazy. You know, they're they're losing bigger opportunities for big grant checks and, um, you know, funding from foundations and things like that. So really, I wanted to create a platform and good goes further that brings together nonprofit marketers in a way that allows them to share insights and connect with each other. So it works on a few different levels. Um, number one, we're doing nonprofit digital marketing workshops, which is how we're sort of monetizing it. Just going into a nonprofit over the course of a month and outlaying every single little thing that they could be doing with digital marketing to help grow more aggressively moving forward. The second thing we have is a free private Facebook group with about 50 nonprofit marketers in there already, where I just sort of post in there, answer questions, um, and create an opportunity for nonprofit marketers to connect with each other. And the last thing is that we've been interviewing nonprofit marketers and I've published 13 of these interviews so far just in two months with one primary question being, what's one digital marketing tactic that works really well for your organization? So we've published 13 of these and so far they've all been 13 really unique and interesting ideas. Um, so again, you know, this is just a sort of a platform or community um, where people can go and just learn, get Fresh inspiration, um, whether that's in the group, watching the interview series, or approaching us to work directly and, and doing something custom for their for their organization.
0: So that's a, a, a good broad range of palette things for nonprofits to consider. And I, I think so much that we could talk about in any one of those types of digital marketing categories. Uh, but one of the things that I, I knew you had spent more time on than many others that I've spoken with is the idea of using that free Google Ads grant that nonprofits are entitled to to try and move into that space and start leveraging the idea of how do we use Google Ads more broadly, not necessarily only the free stuff, but maybe some paid in there, to really connect with donors around that uh, financial support question. So um, when when you start talking with a charity and whatnot about their um, use of the Google Ads platform, wh- where do you begin the conversation? How do you kind of start analyzing what they're doing with it first and how you might start thinking about evolving that work?
1: Well, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to think about it. And like you said, um, digital marketing, even if we're just gonna dive into Google Ad Grants right now, nothing lives in a silo, right? So um, looking at Google Ad Grants, You know, there's a few different ways to think about it um, as far as how a nonprofit can use it ultimately to raise money. Um, So, number one, there's sort of a direct response component. You know, if, say, for example, you're a criminal justice nonprofit, you're going to want to target keywords like donate to criminal justice nonprofit because that person is showing a lot of intent. You want to bring them to your website, give them put them on a donation landing page form. And because they're looking for criminal justice reform nonprofits to donate to. Um, they're very likely to donate, right? That's sort of the direct response angle. Now, a lot of nonprofits won't aren't able to scale and spend $10,000 of that budget a month just on direct response donation ads, right? It's actually really ch- hard to spend um, that full $10,000 a month. And any nonprofit marketers that are listening, um, or or if you're an ED that knows that your organization organization has an Ad Grants account, you know that it's difficult to spend. So what else can you do with that? Well, again, with the end goal of fundraising. Um, and there's a couple of things that, you know, tactically I'll mention, you know, number one is using your ad grants account as a means for acquiring email addresses, right? So you're just bringing in relevant traffic into your website, not with the goal of getting direct donation ads, but at least capturing their email address and then, you know, converting them throughout your email strategy into a donor. Um, and if set up correctly, you can, you know, cr- accredit the traffic that comes in from your Google ad grants accounts to the acquisition source of that email, and then look at, you know, how many emails you acquired through your ad grants campaign and how much revenue was raised from them. So it's a little deeper down the funnel. And the other thing I'll mention is, um, you know, it's, it, it also ties in with paid social. So, you know, you're bringing in a lot of relevant inbound traffic into your website. If you have your Facebook pixel on there, you know, you're able to retarget those folks as well, even after they leave your site. Um, So maybe you can retarget them with a legion ad and capture their email, or you can retarget them with a donation ad, or you can just sort of retarget them with some of your latest and greatest content. Um, So, you know, just thinking about it holistically, the Google Ad Grants account, it can be used really effectively for direct response fundraising. But there's also some more longer term benefits if used correctly and you do set up things like um, cost action for email capture or retargeting campaigns to retarget that traffic coming in from there.
0: So let's start with the the really basic, though, that I think is a misconception with some folks that see the Google Ads campaign part of this work and say, um, oh, great, I got $10,000 in free advertising. I'm just going to put up an ad that says send money um, because that's what I need. Right. Um, and that'll then show up in front of everybody that um, ever uses the Internet. And I think it's important to differentiate, first of all, the the free stuff anyway that you're getting out of Google um, is um, search-based things. So somebody has to be typing the search terms, I want to send free money to someone, which does not happen very often in my experience, right? That's not how people use Google. So you've really got to be sensitive that if you're talking about that $10,000 in uh, um, donated support – that you can't just put those types of words in and see any kind of response. So how do you kind of look at advertising to directly uh, um, encourage people to donate when that's not necessarily a search term that they're looking for? Well, that's,
1: you know, your point about the search terms is, is uh, extremely important because with, with search advertising in general, you can't, you're, you can't really play a role in directly affecting the volume or number of monthly searches around a keyword. Right. If there's only a hundred people searching criminal justice reform nonprofit or donate to criminal justice reform nonprofit, that you have a, a an immediate cap on the reach of that campaign. Right. So what I like to do is number one, you know, look look at using a tool like like, key, like Google Keyword Planner, which is free, it's part of Google Ads, or a tool like SEMrush, which I use a lot, and do a lot of keyword research. You know, figure out what are the related keywords. Um, you know, by plugging, if I plug in criminal justice reform nonprofit and there's a hundred people searching for that a month, what are all of the other related keywords that are similar to that, that people also search that also might bring in relevant traffic? So number one is like trying to figure out on the search side, where are there opportunities to scale a campaign um, based on what you're targeting? The other thing to keep in mind, this sort of ties into my first point is that you have to meet people where they are. Um, you know, if someone's searching you know, criminal justice reform news, they're not necessarily looking for a donation um, opportunity, right? Like the person searching that is not ready to give. Um, But that being said, it's someone that is relevant to your target persona if you're that type of nonprofit. So again, you wanna bring in that traffic onto your website. So maybe you're not promoting a donation landing page, but maybe you're promoting your blog, right? So if they're searching criminal justice reform uh, news, you bring them to your blog, They can check out some content, maybe they sign up for your email address and then you can also retarget them. So, you know, to answer your question, you know, number one, you know, keep in mind that it's going to be really hard to affect search demand around any, any certain keywords. So you have to really do your research with Keyword Planner and SEMrush to figure out what is the volume, what opportunities are out there. And then also keep in mind that you have to meet the person where they are based on what they're searching for. You can't just drive everyone straight to a donation landing page. Some should go to certain content, some should go to a petition, some should go to your blog. Um, so keep in mind wherever they are and what they're searching for and make sure you're bringing them to the most relevant part of your website.
0: I think that's an important reminder that, uh, that there's going to be different tracks and you want to be able to try different campaigns. And of course, with this much money, to your point, it's hard to spend $10,000 in those search ads in, in many cases uh, that you can try uh, to track several different things at the same time to see what's more impactful. Uh, Google, of course, will give you a little help by saying, right, the keywords you've looked at, we generally speaking see, you know, a 1,000 to 2,000 searches a month on that and, you know, whatever it might be uh, in your area. Assuming, of course, that you're doing a geographic target, which um, for a lot of nonprofits, if you're going to be based in a community and you're trying to connect with people in that community, that might be, you know, something you're much more interested in. If I want to advertise to people that live around here rather than just necessarily the entire universe that's searching on Google. Um, So there's all sorts of things to think about with that piece of it. But um, here's where it gets a little bit harder, I think, for nonprofits is to think about the idea of the um, augmenting what you're doing with the donated piece by um, paying for things in the display network. Uh, And here you have some more flexibility to reach out. But it may be that that funnel you've created in the big uh, search uh, tool allows you to think, well, I I have a pretty good idea of uh, the the types of folks I can't reach with search, where they are, what's happening. Maybe I can pay for a pretty targeted experience in the display network and make that make sense. So uh, is that... How do those two things work together in what you see and what's the reluctance that you maybe run into uh, with charities around paying for those ads when they've got a a fairly large sum of uh, donated uh, search ads?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's sort of, um, you know, that the connection I see is really building up your remarketing audiences, right? And one of the most powerful ways to do that is by driving a lot more inbound traffic, um so there's sort of like two primary means of advertising in general, right? There's inbound marketing and outbound marketing. Inbound is search and that's people searching for certain keywords and coming into your site. And then there's outbound where you're targeting someone on social media based on their demographics or interests and driving brand awareness that way. And retargeting sort of lives in the middle. And I think that's where a lot of the magic happens because you're able to bring in people through search marketing through your Ad Grants account that are searching for relevant keywords but then are able to then retarget them on um, with display ads or with social media ads, um, knowing that this person is qualified based on their search interests that they've already expressed. Um, so when it comes to display marketing, like that's sort of, I think about inbound as a really great way. I mean, I've, I've spoken to marketers that, you know, really love display ads and, and really love social ads, and, but they basically run the ad grants account to build up those custom audiences of website visitors so that they have someone to serve ads to, right? So you're building up that audience um, of people that are expressing interest in what your nonprofit does. And then that creates all these other opportunities to remarket to them. And that's how I think the display ad component really layers in and what I would focus on. Um, Obviously, if you scale a display ad campaign to the point where you're saturating all of your website visitors aggressively um, and you can't really scale it out more, Um, then you can look at other opportunities to target based on interests or maybe there are certain specific websites that you want to run display ads on um, that might get you a little bit more scale. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's remarketing or it's hitting a cold audience with your display advertising, you know, you want to make sure that your analytics system is set up to a point where you can track the ROI of all this. Um, So if there is any hesitancy, Make sure that you think about, well, what's my testing budget and what are my goals in in terms of what I want to get out of this? And then set up your campaign and make sure that, you know, set up so that you can track, okay, if I spend $1,000 in display ads, what's the ROI that I get out of it on the other side? What do I get in terms of um, direct donations? What do I get in terms of email acquisitions that might convert on Giving Tuesday later later in the year? Um, What can I get in terms of building that custom audience for other retargeting purposes? Um, So that's how I see the two things that are playing together.
0: So as you talk about remarketing, you may want to explain a little – or retargeting some of these folks. You may want to explain a little bit about how you – Um, work with a pixel to do that kind of thing. And what tools does Google make available? What do you need to rely on? Third parties, uh, earlier in the conversation you mentioned the Facebook pixel. Um, How do you kind of know and retouch some of those audiences that came in from that search ad in the first place? And what do you need to be setting up to be able to keep in contact with them? Sure,
1: so these pixels are essentially small pieces of code that are invisible to users, but they fire in your website whenever someone visits your site. Um, so the Facebook Pixel, the Google, you know, there, there's sort of, you know, there's a LinkedIn Pixel, there's a Twitter Pixel, there's a Facebook Pixel, there's a Google Pixel, you know, all of these advertise, there's an the AdRoll Pixel if you, if you go that route. Like, so all of these advertising platforms have little pieces of marketing code that you want to make sure you have on your site, which then once someone visits your website, they're able to identify who that person is and match it to their Facebook profile, for example, um, or if Google, they'll match it to their browser. Um, And that way, if you can then go into the ad platform itself, and this works pretty similarly across the board, obviously, there's some technical uh, differences, but you're you're able to then go into your ad platform and say, okay, Google, okay, Facebook, I want to create a custom audience of all my website visitors that came to my website in the last three months, or you can make it in the last seven days, or you can make it certain pages on your website, or you can make it you know, people that visited my website three times in the last three months. So it's a really, you know, high quality audience or people that spent more than a minute on my website. Um, so once you add these pixels, you're able to basically retarget your website visitors in a lot of different ways um, based on the behavior and their interaction with the site.
0: But that's no longer a search ad when you're retargeting them, right? I mean,
1: no. So, so but there is so there is search retargeting as well, uh, which is a little bit more of a it's a little bit in the weeds and niche topic, but it's called RLSA. And essentially you can create a search remarketing audience. So you can basically set up an ad, you can set up an ad group within your ad grants account that basically retargets your website visitors. Um, so if someone visits your website, you know, you can basically retarget them based on that the fact that they visited your site. And those tend to perform really well because if you set up an RLSA audience, you know, Google likes serving your ads to, pers- to people that have already visited your site. Um, and it's also an opportunity to maybe go a little bit wider than you'd usually go. Um, so maybe, you know, you're, you're only targeting, for example, donate to nonprofit for your primary ad grants account. But then in the RLSA audience, you can get a little bit wider, you know, maybe some, you know, target a keyword like how to help people or something like that. I don't know, something super more, more general is, is the point I'm trying to get to. Um, and use your RLSA, RLSA audience to target people that are looking for things like that. Um so there is a there is a level of search remarketing um, if you you know look up RLSA
0: you can find out some more information about that Or of course you know contact uh, good goes further you can have a Yeah or
1: contact us of course right. um, so, yeah I mean
0: it's it's good to know cuz we are getting a little bit into it now and and I do think that there might be some uh, folks listening going wow this is a little over my head hang with it for a moment because I think it's important to explore this idea of um, the search tool is doing one thing. The other tools uh, that are available, where you might have to spend some money. Uh, oh, I, I did want to mention. You know, when you talked about, you know, maybe it's a thousand dollars for you know these types of ads. Uh, I think that where often uh, nonprofits can be challenged is they they feel like, wow, I've got this free ten thousand. Why would I spend another thousand on something when I haven't even spent my free ten thousand yet? And it really is about measure, measuring that that impact against those things that return on investment ROI calculation you mentioned, but but don't fail to include the amount of staff time that you're putting into all of this work, or the time contracting with services you know like Good Goes Further or others as a real cost of trying to develop that additional audience. Sometimes people go well I've got this $10,000 worth of free stuff every month, I'll just, you know, put these two people on it for 40 hours a week <laughs> yeah. and they'll not turn out the same result as, you know, um, putting much less time, but a little bit of paid um, advertising in order to hit those Right, kind of pre-qualified audiences again. And I think that that's a really important difference that sometimes we just don't think about our own staff time as a real hard cost against paying for something like an ad, where really it's going to save you a tremendous amount of energy and time just fishing around to things that are not going to have the same kind of results.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, for a lot of smaller nonprofits, you know, not to sort of uh, push, you know, my, my agenda too much, but it does make sense to hire a freelancer for something like this. Um, you know, there's people who have entire careers, I guess I'm an example of that, of just doing Google ads, right? Like there's people that spend, that have spent, that've been doing this for 10, 15 years and that's all they do. Um, and so to get that sort of experience and just be able to bring someone in for two or three hours a week to work on this could get you out of the gate, um, you know, could get you sort of running out of the gate as opposed to, um, trying to train someone in house who maybe doesn't have any experience about on, on this uh, topic, or it could be some sort of you know combination of bringing an outside right. expert for a smaller period of time, get you up and running, maybe train someone in house to to optimize the campaigns and and sort of maybe do like an hour two hour check in every week. Um, so there's a little bit of all that, but I'd say like to your point, you know you can probably save a lot of time and money and get better results quickly if you you know bring in that expert even if it's just for a short amount of time
0: because this is uh extremely powerful but also sort of complicated you know i, I i've likened this on other podcast conversations we've had where uh, you know salesforce will give you 10 free licenses to their product that's fantastic if you have the expertise to use it right yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, the exactly. free is same thing with the google ads right you know it's it's wonderful to have um access to this product at at no Financial cost, but the the staff time to really understand how to use it is important. Um, and and Google, to their credit, I think will try to help you along as best they can. Um, I've certainly seen this in the past working with uh, charities where uh, they'll they'll get this uh, notification like, hey, these ads are underperforming, and that's going to hurt you. We're going to you know actually ding your account for this if you don't start figuring that out. Uh, And they don't quite understand what that means or what to do about it. So I think knowing that free doesn't mean you get to do anything you want. Free means that you get to have access to the tools within the restrictions of what Google is letting you do. And that means you have to be serving up something that their search customers actually want to see and not just what you would like them to see. So how do you um, talk about that sometimes with clients where they might want to advertise uh, a specific thing where you think, boy that is not going to perform well, um, we're not going to hit our you know five percent maximum or two percent minimum kind of thing. What do we do with helping people to learn? You can't just advertise any words that you think are interesting.
1: Yeah, so that's you know ties in I think uh, to a specific rule related to Google Ad grants, and that's that the account overall has to have a click through rate of above five percent. So what does that mean? That means that for every 100 impressions that your ad gets when someone searches for the keyword you're targeting and they see your ad, at least 5% or five of those people have to click on the ad to go onto your website. So they actually have some high standards as far as the relevancy and effectiveness of your ads um, for ad grants campaigns. They really don't want people to abuse it and sort of Sort of go beyond their means or, or target things that are outside their realm of uh, expertise or influence. Um, so when I have that conversation with clients, you know, if there's something totally, um, you know, off the charts that I think is just not going to work, I'll, I'll just mention that rule and say, you know, we have to be careful about, you know, not going below the five percent um, hook-through rate um, because if that happens, your ad account gets disabled, and then you have to contact Google Customer Support, and maybe it's a week or two before you're back online. Um, and basically, the, all they're going to tell you is hey, these, these keywords that you're targeting here are way below 5%. You should pause all of them. There's a couple of things, you know, caveat that with a couple of things that might help people out. You know, number one, um, you can always test. So if there's, you know, a really heavy debate between myself and a client about what to target, we can always test it for a small amount of time. And if it's, you know, way below 5% click through rate, you know, we'll pause it very quickly, um, you know, and go from there. The other thing that I like to do, which is sort of uh, sort of like when you're bowling and you have the guardrails up or whatever they're called, um, is set up an automated rule in the ad grant account that will automatically pause any keyword that has a click-through rate of less than 3 or 4%. Um, so you can basically set up an automated rule in ad grants that says, hey, Google, every Sunday at noon, I want you to look at all my keywords and anything that has a click-through rate of less than, say, 3 or 4%, I want you to pause that automatically. And that will help you go to sleep at night knowing that your account is in compliance and that if there's any keywords that are severely underperforming, you know, that they're they're being paused. And the reason it's three or four and not five is that because the account overall has to have a 5% click-through rate. So if your account overall ends up having a click-through rate of like say 10 or 12%, you have some wiggle room there to maybe go after some keywords that you think are relevant that are only getting away with say a three or 4% click-through rate. Um, right? The other ones are bringing up the average so much that as long as you're above 5% overall for the account, you're in good shape and you can get away with having some keywords underneath. But that being said, that automated rule helps really eliminate any any sort of dragging keywords that might affect the performance or um, might uh, drive Google to disable your account.
0: Yeah, I was not aware that that was an automated feature that you could do. I've uh, um, just made sure that if I get an email letting me know, hey, uh, we got a problem here. Yeah, uh, Get in there and deal with it quickly. Um, and that seems to also be okay, as long as you don't let it drag too long, as you were saying, um, and and let it go so far that um, it, it causes a problem and your account could be uh, suspended. And that, yeah, not something anybody wants to try to deal with getting back up and running. So best to just stay on the good side of it. But with that understanding that you can't just, you know, I want to take out an ad for anybody that searches for a celebrity's name and then try to get my nonprofit in front of them. it's like, well, you know, that's not going to work because they're (laughs) not going to click through. You know, you you aren't, you know, Taylor Swift as much as you might want to go. Well, people are searching for Taylor Swift. So why don't I advertise my dog charity? Um, We've really got to have it related. But if the idea is we're trying to get revenue. Um, And you can't just say, you know, donate to dog charity. Maybe there's a little search traffic available that way, but mostly not. Um, I I think that you're going to find more people are searching to maybe adopt a dog rather than to just give money to a charity, for example. But, you know, okay, how do you help strategize uh, using that tool for an organization that just doesn't have anything in play yet? Where's kind of the lowest hanging fruit to drive people um, through those tools towards some kind of funnel that might get them to a donation?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, a lot of uh, n- nonprofits almost exclusively use their ad grants account for just driving traffic and acquiring emails. Um, you know, I have certain client accounts where they don't have that scale and they're not, they can't find sort of keyword veins that they could mine um, for donations. So really it becomes more of a more, t- it becomes a more top of funnel, you know, brand awareness slash email acquisition play. With the goal of converting that traffic uh, later on. So yeah, if there's only so many people searching for donate to, you know, dog nonprofit, well, maybe if there's a lot more people searching like where to adopt a dog, you at least you're bringing them onto your website, and maybe you have to capture their email. Maybe you, your call to action says, you know, put in your email here, and we'll send you our, you know, weekly list of available dogs for adopt for adoption. Great, you capture that email, it goes into your CRM. And then again, you know, maybe if someone does eventually adopt a dog um, through your organization, maybe you can trigger an automated email to send out asking for a donation. Um, or again, on Giving Tuesday or end of the year, you have this email list you've built up through people looking for adoption that you, that you know is relevant to um, what your nonprofit does that you can then sort of convert to a donor and maybe you can convert you 5-10% know, of that list to a donor on Giving Tuesday. Um, So, yeah, in those situations, you know, you're not necessarily always going to find the keywords that are going to raise money immediately. Um, And as far as you can use Google ad grants to drive awareness and collect email addresses, um, the more you can do that, the better.
0: So um, what are the types of content, though? Uh, I mean, if the idea is to get an email address as a part of beginning a conversation or to remarket to an audience who said that one search once but maybe didn't connect in enough to do something, um, what are the things that you find most effective in in getting people to give you that email address? Because, I mean, sometimes... Um, I personally will run into a site where um, I, I get the light box the second I show up and I can't see any of the content. They just want me to sign up for their email address. I'm like, I don't even know who you are yet. Well, you know, let, let me see what you're doing before I decide whether or not I want to give up an email address to you. How do you help them collect that email address in, in ways that you know, um, kind of reflect what brought them to the website in the first place, that search um, tool?
1: Yeah, like you said, it always depends on what that search phrase is. Um, I've seen nonprofits um, with really creative ways of capturing email addresses. Obviously, you have sort of the standard sign-up our newsletter for X, Y, and Z resources play. Um, petitions work really well um, for nonprofits, especially if you're in, in the advocacy or policy space. Um, so, you know, um, I, I mentioned criminal justice reform earlier, so I'll use that example again. But, like, you know, if someone's searching for a certain case, um, you know, maybe, um, or a certain news, you know, a lot of, you know, big, um, criminal justice cases are in the news and, and things like that. So you, maybe you want to have a petition, you know, the dog one we mentioned earlier, maybe you just have a petition on your page to, um, show your support for, um, you know, a, a pet adoption. Um, I've seen quizzes work really well. Um, so, you know, if you work with like, you know, a healthcare nonprofit or a clinic, or for example, and like, you know, say it's a local clinic, uh, maybe you target people around your clinic that are searching for certain symptoms, and then when they come to the website, they can complete a quiz um, on, on those symptoms, and and you can sort of give them a report on whether they should come in or not, um, you know, sort of a health report or scorecard. Um, so, yeah, I've seen, you know, it, it really, it, I've seen nonprofits get really creative um, as far as you know, capturing email doesn't mean, you know, just sign up for my newsletter, please, pretty, please. Like it can be something that, you know, however you think you can add value um, to your constituents or or your potential donors or in in your audience, Um, you know, think about some creative ways that um, map to what are people searching um, and then also, you know, what's, what's valuable enough for us to email gate this so that people will put in their email in order to get the results. Or you know, feel like they're taking a a valuable action.
0: So, how do you think about then you know that path amplified or or somehow supporting um, social campaigns outside of the search stuff? So you'd mentioned, the um, Facebook in particular, but certainly any other social channels, when you talk about um, pixels and remarketing those folks, um, can that support that transition towards revenue on on those um, search folks that have started that way? Or how do you envision next steps with a client that might be thinking about, um, we we not only want to get those people in the door that have visited the website once, but we'd like to talk to them where they're having other conversations where maybe their friends and neighbors are weighing in, you know, things like social.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned, you know, you can, you know, you can get really in the weeds on it. Um, But basically, you know, again, bringing in this inbound traffic just builds up that custom audience of people that you can retarget on social. And this, you know, what better to qualify that audience than knowing that they searched for something relevant to your organization in the past? Um, You know, there's even ways, you know, getting a little bit more into the weeds again, but just to sort of explain it and show it, you know, you could retarget people that search for specific keywords with specific creative on social media. Um, so knowing that they came in on a specific keyword, you could retarget them with a, a specific ad, so that there's really tight alignment between what the person's searching and then ultimately what you're able to retarget with them uh, with on social media. Um, so, but yeah, the, the big thing is you know building up that custom audience, um, pick, pixeling as many people as possible. Uh, whether it's Facebook or Google or, or uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter or whatever it is, um, so that you do have a relevant audience to serve retargeting ads to. Um, super, super effective.
0: Are you seeing any reduction in that uh, efficacy around that pixel question as people are, or some anyway, are thinking a little bit more privacy-centric and they're using more specific browsers, they're using ad blockers? Does that yeah. impact your ability to kind of reconnect with some of those folks?
1: yeah, I mean, it does for those individuals. I think that that's not happening at scale yet. Um, I think it's something that you know I know I'm personally watching that space very closely. Um, you know, there's the brave browser that's that's private. Um, like you said, everyone a lot of people are using ad blockers. Um, a lot of people are using just the private mode on their on Chrome just because they don't want to get retargeted with ads um, you know relentlessly for something they're searching for. Um, so it's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on. I don't think at scale it's an issue yet, but, um, it could. And I think Facebook even actually allows users to go into their personal profile and clear out, you know, all the websites that have them pixeled. Um, so people are, are definitely getting more and more control over how this works and the ability for advertisers to retarget them. Um, I don't, you know, I think that's a good, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think just as a person, like I think, you know, people probably do need to regain a little bit of control on that front. Um, but that being said, as a user, I also appreciate seeing relevant ads. You know, maybe if I, I am passionate about certain nonprofit topics, like I wouldn't mind seeing those ads as compared to like a mattress ad, you know, like, um, so I think there's there's the other end of it too, of where like, it is a, generally a good user experience to see ads that are more relevant to you than, than uh, you know, some of the garbage that's out there on the internet that's totally irrelevant. Um, So there's a balance there, Um, I think. And I think as a marketer, I'm definitely keeping a close eye on it. I don't see it, again, being an issue at scale, but it is something that I know that individuals um, are taking more seriously and it will probably affect performance at some point in the future.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things that, as we just came out of the um, um, Stop Hate for Profit campaign, um, then I uh, have a podcast on that I can link to in the show notes, but uh, where people were urging folks to just try to stay off of Facebook as one particular tool around business practices, then it may not be my personal privacy that impacts this, but it could be some other kind of uh, community engagement thing that says, hey, we're going to you know try to pause using this particular tool for a while. How else do we think about getting that message in front of people because the the Google Ads piece again, has its biggest efficacy when you've got somebody who knows they want to search for something. Uh, and that's fantastic. It's a it's a great prequalifier, you know, that if they come out there searching for, you know, criminal justice reform and you show up and you connect, then, you know, this is a wonderful win for everybody. But, it, you know, if it's not about people that are thinking right at the moment, this is something that I need to do, um, but we need to build a bigger audience around that, how do you, you know, help that charity Uh, expand that message message with some of the digital tools. Is is ads got that opportunity to kind of bring in people around the edges or do they need to be searching pretty directly already? They kind of need to know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, marketing, you have to go wherever people's attention is. Um, And obviously that changes over time. Um, And I think as far as, you know, right now everyone's at home. Most people are quarantined. Um, there's an int- incredible supply of eyeballs right now glued to social media, Facebook, Instagram, and everything else. Um, and so there, those are really, you know, viable channels as far as, um, you know, retargeting and getting your message in front of people. Um, as far as, like, the fringes, you know, I, I had an example occur this week with, a, with um, you know, one of my clients where there was a TikToker uh, there's this young woman that was posted a, a funny little dance, but also like was had this sort of hard hitting um, text commentary going to a petition. And the nonprofit asked the TikToker to, sw- to sw- switch in their petition link in for genericchange.org one. And after the, the TikToker did that, the petition got 17,000 signups. Um, and so, you know, Again, like the the question at the end of the day is, you know, you have to be you sort of platform agnostic, um, and you have to be thinking about where's people's attention. Are they using Google? Are they using other search engines? Are they using Facebook? Or are they using other social networks? Are they use? Are people just on Netflix now? We should look at that. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, Hulu, whatever. Like, so I just think you know, high level, you should always be like checking in with, just like general metrics and numbers around where people are spending their time, because that's going to be critical for how you allocate or decide to prioritize these different channels. Um, So that's, that would be my advice on that front. Um, Just think about your target persona, um, you know, think about where people are living online and where their attention is and sort of marry those two things together. And also, you know, keep in mind your goals Um, for some, for a lot of, you know, generationally and demographically, you know, boomers, uh, and Gen X, you know, just have so much more wealth right now, right? And 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 that's just like a demographic truth. And so that's why Facebook works really well for fundraising. But if you're thinking about the next generation of, you know, advocates and people that are going to support your nonprofit and you're looking at, you know, Gen Z, you know, you got to think about TikTok. And you might not be able to raise money and they might be young young kids that can't afford to donate. But at least you're starting to build that brand awareness. And that example I mentioned earlier, maybe there's an advocacy play as well. So, so keep all these things in mind. I know it's complicated, but at the end of the day, you know, be platform agnostic, be flexible, and think about where are your target constituents living online and what can we do there?
0: I think sound advice, and we're starting to run a little bit low on time, but I want to just kind of ask one more question about that and then um, ask you to offer any closing thoughts you'd like to before we completely run out of time. But um, when you mention things like, uh, uh, TikTok newer tools that come out like that, um, that, um, at least I'm not as familiar with, doesn't have the same kind of ability to do a, a paid search intervention in the, in these same ways, or, or does that? I mean, can you jump in as a charity into something like that, or do you need to think more partnership in, in the example you just used where you, where you reach out to successful, uh, um, publishers on those platforms and say, "Hey, we're kind of aligned with what you're doing, and we'd like to talk with you." You know, which is pretty labor intensive, but you know, maybe yeah. it has a better result.
1: I think both. Um, I think it really is both. I think it's it's reaching out to influencers and taking advantage of their reach, like that example of the petition I just mentioned. I talked to another nonprofit marketer this week um, for an interview that's coming out soon for our, our, our Good Goes Further interview series, and she was talking about um, they're focused on producing short term, short form video post um, pandemic and how that's become a big priority for them. And they're seeing about 50% they're posting on Instagram, they're posting on Facebook, but they're seeing about 50% millions of views on TikTok. Um, and so the search component there, you know, think about hashtags, you know, people go on TikTok and they search for certain hashtags that are, that they're interested in. And sort of scroll through that content, similar to the, how you would search for a hashtag on Twitter or Instagram. Um, so if you're, you're using the example of a pet nonprofit, again, you know, think about, you know, using certain hashtags in your content so that people are looking for that content you, you're much more likely to show up. So there's a, there's a search component there, even on social media. I know it's beyond the scope of ad grants and stuff, but that's how I would think about it.
0: Well, I think a good advice again to just be constantly thinking broader that uh, we we can't rely on any one particular channel to serve for forever and ever, and that includes you know all the good free Google Ads stuff that's available, but um, taking that into display, taking that into, um, trying to remarket to some of those folks that did at least engage once a lot of good things. But as, as we are starting to wind down on time, are there some closing thoughts that you'd like to suggest to those nonprofits that maybe haven't, um, invested a, a load of time in how they, um, in, engage their strategy around, uh, using the Google ads product to think about revenue?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's a process. I think get started sooner than later. Um, you have to go through a whole application process. You have to find the right talent. You have to scale up a campaign. It, again, it's really hard to spend that $10,000 out of the gate. Um, so it might take you a few months to sort of scale up. Um, but in the end, you know, it's going to be a passive source of, um, if not revenue, at least brand awareness um, and acquisition for your for your brand. Um, so it's a process. It's not something that you know, you're going to be able to say you're ever done with, um, you know, my advice would be like to figure out a plan that's going to make sense for you to be able to commit to this long term, um, because that's where you're really going to see the success. You know, you're going to see the real success, you know, three to six months into this where, you know, you you have some sort of breakthrough in the account or some um, rich um, mine of, of keywords that you, didn't, you hadn't thought about before that's all of a sudden bringing in a ton of traffic. Um, and a lot of those iterations come through looking at the data. Um, it's really hard to benchmark or forecast how effective all this is going to be without just doing it, you know. So just try and get up and running, start looking at data, um, start hiring the right staffers to do it. And I mean hire people, you know, it might be someone for one hour a week that that knows what they're doing um, and just start you know making decisions and iterations off of that. And over time, you know, this should be something that really pays off for you.
0: Yeah, I love that advice of just get started. I mean, with the caveat of keeping an eye on those minimums. You don't want to have uh, accounts that you're maybe not as familiar with how to use, getting suspended, and having trouble getting them reactivated and what, all the rest. But you know, uh, try some things. Make sure that you're you're um, monitoring them, that they uh, are staying in line with what the expectations of that donor partner is looking for. But uh, yeah, go experiment, go try, go iterate. I think that's fantastic yep. advice. So uh, Stephen Aguiar is the founder of Good Goes Further. And Stephen, I'm just so thankful that you took the time today. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. It was my pleasure.